we're beginning a new series, teaching series today called Movement. And so uh, I want to begin just by asking, what motivates you? What really gets you going? What gets you to really, you know, um, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I love. If you think about that, like this is, this is really what we see here in the, in the book of Ephesians. We went through chapters one through three, three already. We talked about the idea that we are united to Christ. You know, we said that Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, 36 times it mentions in him. And what, what we said was throughout that whole series, if we're, we're united vertically, then we can be the church that's united horizontally. And so with this whole series that we're going to be doing, Paul began the whole chapter of the book of Ephesians by saying, this is what you need to understand about your unity in Christ. And so the theology behind the letter, if you want to call it. And so he was giving, giving the church in Ephesus this idea that, listen, because of your unity in Jesus, the Jewish people and the Gentile people are going to come together to make the church. And, uh, and there's going to be all different kinds of folks. There's going to be all different kinds of personalities and stuff we're going to be looking at today. But he's saying, you are united in Christ. And so that was the whole point. He, he began the whole book of Ephesians with a new society, the church. And he says, now we're going to talk about new standards of the church. And so that's what we're going to be looking at throughout this series. But also what we want to understand is that throughout chapters four through six of our series movement is this, really one word that we need to remember, walk. Okay, so what, what do I mean by that? Well, the first half of Ephesians was about wealth. Now, let me explain what I mean by wealth. Uh, Paul said in chapter one is that all of you who are in Christ have been getting every spiritual blessing in him. So that's what he was talking about. So now what he's gonna talk to us about, and we're gonna learn here together, is that now it's time to live it out, right? You know what you have, so now it's time to live it. And so that's what we want to do with, with our hearts and our lives is that we're motivated by the person of Christ, by the gospel, and to be people who are living it out each and every day. Now, that may be easy for me to say, but it's hard to do, isn't it, right? So that's where I hope and pray that I've been praying throughout uh, the time leading up to our series here that we wouldn't let this be a threat to us, but be a motivation for us to be the people that God's called us to be. And so today, the message is simply titled, Know Your Role. And so what, <laughs> I have to be honest, when I was thinking about know your role, uh, if, if, if any of you like followed wrestling or wrestling as we called it in the South, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he would say, know your role and shut your mouth. I don't want you to shut your mouth today, but what I want you to understand is the role that each of us play in the church. I thought about it when I uh, worked part-time for Starbucks is that you had to know the different positions, but every time that you were on shift, you had to know your role. This is the one thing you did for your shift. You didn't do everybody's shift. You did your role within that shift. And that's what we're gonna see here about the church and the part that each of us can play. So if you have a Bible with you today, uh, we're gonna look at Ephesians chapter four together. And we're gonna be looking at verses one through 16. And so um, we're gonna be touching on not all the, the, the passages today, but that's okay because these are the ones that the Lord wanted me to share with us. Uh, and what it looks like for us as the church. And here's what, what I want us to understand is knowing your role in the church is the key to unity. If we're gonna have unity horizontally, we need to know what our role is. Here's the downside, is a lot of times we believe this. We believe that uh, we don't need to play a part in the church or B, we play a part and we hold it so tightly that we believe it's our empire, whatever that may be. So that's the downside sometimes. But here's what we can know 
is if we choose horizontal unity because we have vertical unity, the beautiful things that God can do with this church, we just tie into what he's doing. And so that's where we are. So let's look together here. We're gonna look at the first six verses here of chapter four. Paul writes, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. See, Paul's desire here for the church at Ephesus was was this, make God proud. So we know that Paul at this time, when he wrote the letter, he was under house arrest in Rome. So he's saying, listen, I'm a prisoner. I can't do much here. But what I can do is encourage you to make God proud. Put a smile on God's face. And the call that God, that Paul speaks of here is God's call for Jew and Gentile to come together as one. That's what it was. And and we could look at verse one and we could look at it many different ways. Like just live the life worthy of the call you receive. I mean, we could just do a whole series on that, but we're sticking with this today to know your role. But what, what do we want to display? Really, if we're going to make God proud, what do we want to display? It goes back to live your life worthy of the call that you received. What are we saying here? God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He revealed himself to us who are followers of Christ. He made a revelation to us so that we would say yes to him and follow him. And that was only through his grace. We talked about this at Life Group on Thursday, the special grace that God has given us to reveal himself to us, that we were drawn to him by faith through grace. Isn't that beautiful? That's, that's what we're seeing here. And, and so this is done how? Paul says, in humility, in gentleness, in patience, and doing this together in love. When we, when we look at the word humility, in that day and time, the, the mindset was that humility was a form of weakness. It was a sign of weakness. You didn't have humility. You didn't think of others better than yourself. It was weak for you to be humble. But yet Paul is saying the complete opposite. You're gonna do it with humility, being others-centered, thinking others-centered. It doesn't mean that you're a mat to be walked on. What it means is that you think of others as you're thinking about your motives and that your desires. Gentleness, in other words, Paul's saying, keep your emotions in check. That's what he's saying here to the church. He, have you ever been around people who are just like over the top or extra? Like you just like, whoa, wait a minute now, time out. Like, you know, you'll, you'll go the long way around to avoid that person, right? And so this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, like, keep things in check. He says, also be patient with one another. In other words, he's saying, when you're wrong, don't fight back. Be willing to listen to others. Be willing to, to take um, uh, godly advice from others. Don't retaliate. My mentor has always told me, you have two ears and one mouth, so you should be listening twice as much as you do talk. And so what, what Paul is saying here is that this is who the church needs to be. He says, make every effort. In other words, as long as it depends on you. Think about that for a second. Make every effort. He's not saying be someone who's a uh, peacekeeper. He's saying be someone who's a peacemaker. And as we said in our first series together, and we are, we said that the same spirit of God that lives in me is the same spirit of God that lives in you. We can come to each other. We can speak the truth in love. We can make every effort so that we can be the church that God is proud of. And peace is what keeps the church together. 
That's what we're, we're saying here. And listen to what the Bible says in Colossians 3, 12, and 14. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So that's what Paul is saying here. And he goes on in verses four through six, Paul's saying that your faith, my faith, revolves around the unity of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it's displayed here in these verses, in verses five and six, in seven different ways. If you take a look at five and six, we see there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. And he's saying this is how it's played out for the church. This oneness that God has is the oneness for us is unity. You see, you see, you see the Trinity in perfect unity. And so Paul is saying to the church, this is what we need to be about. And this unity is due to God's grace. So again, it all goes back to God, doesn't it? It doesn't go back to 1010. It doesn't go back to Jeff. It doesn't go back to you. It goes back to God because he is the one that brought this together. So in your notes, here's what I wanna begin by saying is that in the church, unity is important. In the church, unity is important. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, he says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So again, we see that perfect, perfect unity of God the Father, Son, and Spirit. And he's saying that we are not God, but we are representatives of him and we can bring about unity for the church. Why? Because that's what he calls us to do. And when we know our role, we'll choose unity over everything else. And so, so the question really is, as we move forward as a church, we've been doing this for two months now, are you beginning to embrace the differences so that we can see 1010 thrive? Right, that's, that's what we want. And, and you know what, we, we've said this already, we're gonna get on each other's nerves. We're gonna have differences of opinions. There's gonna be, why can't we do this? Or why aren't we doing that? Or why is this? Or why, that's, that, those are kind of minor issues. They're important, don't get me wrong, but we can talk through those. Are you with me? That's what we wanna, that's what we wanna be about. Because Jesus Christ is the leader of this church. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ is the leader of this church. We have been called to get along in the church. That's what he wants from us. So unity for you and I here in the church is important. Let's continue. Uh, I'm not gonna read verses seven through 10, but here's what um, we wanna take away from seven to 10 is that every believer contributes to the spiritual growth of the church. And how's that done? By God's grace being extended to each of us. God gives a little more grace to you than he made me. But that's not the point. The point is he, he extends grace so that we can contribute to the life of the church. And so I just, I just wanted to share that because I wanna get into verses 11 through 16 now. Let's go to verse 11 together. It says this, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, because of Christ's victory over death, because of his resurrection, he gave gifts to the church to function. That's what he did. And here's, here's what we can know. He also gave gifted people to the church. And, and I'm not speaking of me. I'm saying like, I don't know how to run sound. So I'm glad that 
that my guy back there knows how to run sound, right? He's gifted. Or the guy running the computer or the guy playing all that there, you know? I just, <laughs> I, I can't do that. But God has gifted each of us who are in Christ to play a role. Listen to what he talks about. He gives four different areas here. He says, apostles, these are people who began the churches. In other words, they're called missionaries today. That's, that's what we're seeing. We see that there's prophets. These are people who gave encouragement, challenge, and comfort to the church. That's what their role was. And we see that there were evangelists. They preached the gospel, not only locally, but globally. So we finally see that there are pastors and teachers. In other words, there were overseers of the local church. You could break that down to pastor, elder, bishop. But the point is, is that their role was to train and equip the people to do the work of God. So you with me there? And so this is, this is important because, see, the job was not only important, but it was to be able to empower, if you want to say, empower people to do the work together. See, this is why we're building this church. I can't do this all on my own. But God gave a picture of what it could look like, and here we all are today. And, it, and, and I believe it's going to grow. But God's wired some of you to do some things that I can't even come close to doing. Just can't. And so why would I want to do things and keep banging my head up against the wall when God has wired each of us to do different tasks? Isn't that great? So we all play that role. And the body of Christ is built up. And again, it's not just the leader's job to do that. So you see, even he provided leadership in the church. See, God's not a God of confusion, okay? You, you realize that? Like, he's a God of order, and he's a God who wants things to be done right. His way, not Jeff's way, his way. And so we see in 1 Timothy 3.15, listen to what it says. It says, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. This is, this is what it's about. It's about proclaiming the truth of God, and we do that in different ways. If you notice, there's, there's a, there may be a different style of music that's here. You know, there may, be, there may be a different way that we do kids than you've experienced, how like, oh, I, I was a part of a church at one point where kids stayed the majority of the time. I've been to churches where you drop your kid off before you went. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, is this, is that it's about the gospel. It's about the gospel. And God has given us messengers, teachers, prophets, pastors, evangelists to do that work. So are you there? Are you with me? Okay, all right, good. So, so the end goal Paul expresses is this, maturity. Wait a minute, Jeff. I thought you were talking about doing all this work. No, like you'll mature as you begin to get into a rhythm of serving the church. See, when you know your role, you and I will enjoy unity, we will become mature, we will become more like Christ. That's what's gonna play out if we do that. Paul makes the statement, the fullness of Christ. In other words, he wants us to know that you and I, we reproduce the character of Jesus. Are you with me? And that's, that's what Paul is getting at. So here's the thing, the second, the second point in your notes is this, is that in the church, everyone does something. In the church, everyone does something. Now, let me be very clear about what I'm about to say. There is no gift more important than another. God has wired you, and we're gonna get to that in a second. God has wired each of us because if we said there's more importance on one gift, gift than the other, guess what? Sometimes it becomes about us. 
and we're looking for personal gain. Oh, look at what I can do and what you can't. That's not what God is saying and Paul is saying to us here today. We want to be a church, though, that is proactive rather than reactive. Okay, so this, where are we going with? The question is, is that are you exercising those gifts? Are you able to exercise the gifts that God has given you? You may be going, well, what are my gifts? Well, that's a great question because I'm going to give you a website that you can check out and we'll go from there, all right? Good. All right, but here's what I want you to to hear out of 1 Peter 4.10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Isn't that cool? Whatever gift that you've been given, use it, you know? And so again, it's so, so for what I do, I do ministry as a profession. God has wired me to be a pastor shepherd. He's wired me with administration and he's wired me with the gift of faith. And so, so that's what I do. Not because it's more important than what you all are able to contribute. We're doing this together. And that's what's more important than anything else. So the next, the next uh, slide on the screen, if, if you can write fast, is this is a website that I want us, we have some of us early in the life of the church, we, we went to this, the churchgrowth.org. And it's a survey that you take and it'll, it'll give you, um, uh, it's a survey, questions that'll ask you uh, different, and then it'll, it'll tally it up and it'll tell you, hey, this is where, because of how you answered the questions, this is where you line up with spiritual gifting. All right, so it's nothing to be afraid of or nothing to be embarrassed of, but it's something that we say, hey, Pastor Jeff, this is, I, I've done this survey and this is how God's wired me. How can I help the church? And that's, that's my role is to be able to help you um, work through that. So make sense? All right, because again, we said in 2019, it's not just about greater faith, but it's saying as a leader, I'm saying now it's time to empower and to be able to release folks to be able to do the work of God here in Lordstown. And so um, that is the website. And I want to encourage you to take time to do that this week. And it would be great just to, to dialogue with you about that. So let's continue here. Verses 14 through 16, Paul says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, when when the church serves God and others, they will become established in their faith. And with that, we need to understand that the opposite is true because there is an enemy to kingdom success. See, if the enemy truly wants us to be taken down, it'll be through two ways, abandoning the truth and disrespecting one another within the church. That'll kill this thing. That's, that's what he wants. All it has to be is just something little. A little divisiveness can go a long way. Abandoning the truth just a little bit can go a long way. And Paul is warning the church. He says, listen, if you're gonna mature in your faith, it is following God, serving him and others. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, nine, it says, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings for it is good for your hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods 
which is of no benefit to those who do so. See, what, what the writer of Hebrews was saying is that you have to be careful about what you're ingesting because there's gonna be a lot of things that are said or truth, but there's just something that the spirit of God will say to you that is so far off. That is so not the truth. And if, if we look at our, our day and age today when the church begins to sound like and behave like the culture around us, then we have missed the gospel. We have missed why Christ died for the sin of the world. We have missed that we are ambassadors of Christ. We will miss it all. When we have prominent leaders in our day and time who have fallen because they've made poor decisions to live a life for themselves rather than for God and his church. When the church begins to display characteristics that say that has nothing to do with the Christian faith. That's where we have to be careful. And, and so for you and I, the church's role is maturity and faith, right? So we, we talk about what you do, but this is who you are. You wanna know your role? Mature in your faith. And that's where we, we do it here. You know, just think, just think for a moment, like it, the professions that some of you may be in, it took you some time to learn that profession. You just didn't walk in and say, hey, I know how to do everything. It just doesn't work that way. It takes time, doesn't it? That's the same thing with our faith. What motivates you? Does the person and the presence of Christ motivate you? Or does everything else motivate you? Like, oh, that sounds good. I like that, and I like that, and I like this, and I like it. And then, you know, what happens is, is my wife would always tell the youth that we used to work with, she said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And that's the same for you and I as adults today. We don't want to be the church that looks like the world. God has called us to be set apart from the world. doesn't mean we're against the world. It's just what we're saying is that we're against the things of the world. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's what we need to understand. Now, listen, it may not be easy. Listen, the culture, again, that we live in is far from God. And so we have to stand on what is truth. Listen, if you think about it, have any of you taken a cruise? Oh, wow, there are actually some people here. All right, cool. I don't know if I could do it just because of the whole sea thing. But think about this. Let's say you, you got on your cruise ship and the captain decided just to go off by a half degree. You're not going to end up where you, your destination was, would you? Just a little bit. And that's what we're talking about here with truth. What does the word of God say? Not what does the, the coolest, hippest person on YouTube or, you know, the latest thing. Is that it? That's truth. No, no. It's what does God's word say? And that's who we want to be as a church. Why? Because we want to see the church build up and we want to represent King Jesus well. That's what we want to do here at 1010. So the third, the third that we see here in your notes is that in the church, there's opportunity to develop. In the church, there's opportunity to develop. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3.18, it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever, amen. Grow in the grace and truth of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Not the latest trend, not the latest fad, but in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So just to, just to preach the announcements for a moment, uh, coming in May, we're gonna have our discipleship journey is gonna start to kick off. We're gonna take some Sundays and to be able to go through reading your Bible, sharing your faith. Um, we've, we've got some other one-to-one -one materials because the idea is, is that we are disciples of Christ. And so we wanna be disciples that make disciples, right? So if we're here to make a church, then we've missed the point. We'll always have the church if we're disciples making disciples. 
all right? And that's who we want to be. So that's coming in May. I just wanted to give you that, that brief announcement, but that's something that we want to be about. And so if there's an opportunity in the church to develop, maybe you have to begin to ask yourself, where do I need to mature? Where do I need to mature? Where do I need to develop? Because when we grow individually, the church will grow collectively, right? Oh, yes, it will. It really will because we're all doing this together. And again, every one of us who are followers of Christ, we contribute to the body work by serving, excuse me, body work, body growth in the church. So we see that the church, if when we know our role, there's unity, there's maturity, but what do we have to do? We have to make every effort to be the one who moves. Not pointing our finger, but just saying, I'm gonna, I'll be the one to do it. And we've seen different ways of how that plays out. And so I wanna, I wanna just take a few moments and say, what does this mean for us? And so in your notes, we see that it's time to live on purpose. It's time to live on purpose. This is a practical level. What do I mean by that is this. Here's what I mean, is that we look for opportunities to serve our community. By the way, live on purpose is one of our core values here at 1010. And we look for those opportunities, and you saw there's a bunch of opportunities coming up. We're not expecting you to be at every one. We're just saying, here are the opportunities. We'd like you to be at some, but my point is, is that there are opportunities to serve the community. We share Jesus with others. Have the mindset of even church planting. Church planting, what do you mean? Like, we want to see a movement of God. We just don't want this to stall out right here in Norristown. We want to be able to see a movement of God. This is for the purpose of that, what? The glory of God. We want to see a movement of God for the glory of God. So you and I, we begin to live on purpose. What motivates you? What gets you up in the morning? You know, some, some of us may just say, hey, I go to work just for a paycheck. But you know, when you, when you do what you love, right? What's that old saying? You'll never work a day in your life. Well, guess what? When we're doing these things for God, we're doing it for his glory. It's not gonna matter what it looks like because we're doing it for him. So it's time to live on purpose. First Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's why we live on purpose. It's what God has already done for us. It's not anything that we can do, what has already been done. So it's time to live on purpose. The second is this, is that it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. We are going from practical to personal. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, he says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I stopped those childish ways. In other words, maybe for some of us today, it's time to begin to evaluate our lives and to say, where do I need to grow up? Where do I need to mature? Now, here's what I want to say is that it's that we go before the Lord and we say, God, I want to continue to have a childlike faith. That's what I want to have. But for some of us, we may know what we need to do to grow up, but we can refuse to grow up. And I'm talking about in our faith. We refuse to do that. And then we wonder why we, we get stagnant. We wonder why we get stuck. We wonder why we feel like God's not around. It's time to grow up. I'm speaking to myself, okay? It's time to grow up. And there are things that we've put in our lives that stun our growth. I remember my mom used to tell me, you drink that coffee, you're not gonna grow. <laughs> Stunt your growth. 
Maybe it did. I don't know because I really love coffee. But what are those things in your life that are stunning your growth? Where, where are you investing your time and your treasure and your talents? And if you hear today and that you say, yo, I definitely want to grow up. Listen, God's grace that he gifted us to serve his church, his grace will help us to move forward with him. That's what I love about God. He doesn't say, oh, I told you, you should have got it right the first time. He doesn't do that. He says, all right, you ready to go with me? Let's go. I can help you because I know the way. Because he is the way. <laughs> and so it's time to grow up. It's time to live on purpose. And listen, as we, we continue through this series together over the next couple of weeks, is here's what we wanna, we're going to see. is We're going to see how to practically live as a follower of Christ. Not only that, we're going to see how to live in relationship with each other and how to live in relationship to the culture around us and how to fight the good fight while going through the day-to-day of everyday life. Because that's really where it is, isn't it? Our faith is really in the mundane. It's in the everyday. And sometimes it's in the big and sometimes it's in the wow, but it's more likely in the everyday. And so that's how we want to train and equip us as a church to do that. See, here, here's, here's something that I've learned over the years because I had to grow up in some areas. I used to be big on music because I grew up in church. It was like, why do we always have to have the old people music? But what God has shown me is that, listen, the church is not there to entertain. The church is not there for you. You are there for the church. And so not only that, if the church is not there to entertain the church of Jesus Christ, to be a beacon of hope in the community, to be a place where the the world around us sees that this church expresses unity. And everyone knows their role. Everyone knows their role. And that is serving the church and one another. We've said here, we want to do life deeply together. So it's not just, you know, Sunday is just, you know, the, 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 the lead up to the week. And hopefully you've been encouraged today. Hopefully you've been challenged today so that you can get out and do what God's called you to do. So know your role. Where is it that you need to begin to think about how do I serve the church and others here? And where do I need to begin to mature in my faith? And so each one of us knows what that looks like for them. And so if you need prayer today, if you need to speak with me today, please feel free to do that. But what I want to close with is this. You'll never move. Okay, hear me. You will never move from where you are until you take that first step. That's what God's wanting us to do. I know it's, it's simple, right? But yet it's so difficult. You'll never move unless you take the first step. God's calling you and I to do that today. And so I want to pray for us, and then we're going to, we'll just, we'll just remember that what? There is hope. There's hope. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you, God, for your grace.